Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kathleen Azal of Pim Fox at the fourth annual Canadian Fixed Income Conference sponsored by National Bank of Canada Financial Markets. We're live at Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York City and Pim and I have interviewed so far corporate and government leaders, investors and analysts trying to get a better understanding of Canada's bond markets and particularly the forces that drive Canada's bond markets so investors can better understand them as well. And we're very happy to welcome to the show now Bruce Anderson. He's Managing Director for Project Finance and Infrastructure at Manulife to look at infrastructure investment and certainly around the world as people say monetary policy, central banks are running out of ammo. Something's got to take the take the baton now, and it's got to be fiscal policy. And infrastructure spending, of course, is a very, very big issue right now. So welcome to the show, Bruce. Thank you, Kathleen. So tell us a little bit more about your role at Manulife. What, what are you doing? What are you watching? So our, our group is responsible for um, uh, sourcing new transactions in the project finance space, so that's for us renewable energies and, uh, and infrastructure, public-private partnerships. Those so are sourcing transactions, in other words, you are putting the people with the money together with the, peop- the entities that need the money for the project? No, it's our money, so we're finding a source. Oh, you're doing it yourself, all right. <laughs> uh, for our, so my, I'm responsible for investing our balance sheet, uh, our group invests our balance sheet. So we are looking for projects to put money into on a fixed income, fixed income side. Tell us about infrastructure investing in Canada, and then we'll sort of broaden it out a little bit. But tell us some of the attractive characteristics and some of the challenges of investing in sure. infrastructure. Sure. So as a sector, I think it's, it's um, maturing and it's becoming very popular. Uh, hard assets are very popular to both owners, um, but also funders like ourselves. And What would be some examples, like a toll road, a pipeline? Yeah. What? So uh, renewable energy projects, solar, wind, hydro. Um, social infrastructure, so things like hospitals, schools, courthouses, um, and then civil infrastructure projects, which would be roads, bridges, uh, light rail systems, things like that. Um, and what's attractive to us, um, uh, the, you know, there's probably three main things. First is duration. Um, as, a, as a life co, our liabilities are long. so whether a, they come, a life insurance company? Correct. <laughs> so whether they come from the life insurance products that we sell or our pensions and benefits uh, programs, um, our liabilities are long dated and uh, infrastructure assets provide long dated uh, assets or long dated paper that we can match against those assets. So they're 20, 30, 40 year paper. So that for sure is, a, is attractive May to I just us. stop before you move on to the two and number three, what kind of return can you on average get right now? Because that's another big story. Reach for yield. Global bond markets, government bonds, the yields are so low or negative. What can you get in infrastructure projects in Canada? So, you know, infrastructure, you're... Uh, the, the yields have, have compressed and they are, you, you get a yield over the corresponding corporate curve. We, we, as the corporate curve moves, so do our yields. So today, you're probably looking on a 20-year deal in the low 200s as a spread over, uh, over governments. That's probably 
you know, 50 to 60 over the corresponding corporate curve. As the curves move in or move out, our spreads move in or move out, but our uh, the premium over the curve, we try to keep fairly consistent. And, um, these are high quality assets, so we're not getting uh, huge returns. These are, are pretty narrow returns, but they meet our portfolio nicely. You mentioned renewable energy, and I'm wondering how that fits into the context of Canada as being a major fossil fuel producer. So, uh, I think a number of the Canadian provinces have really made an effort over the last few years to um, wean themselves off carbon and to um, develop sources of uh, production and, and generation that uh, is, is green and is renewable. So um, whether it's through the, 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 the FIT feeding tariff program that Ontario has um, or, or some of the calls that BC have made, there's been a number of new projects, um, wind, solar uh, especially, that have uh, been developed to um, allow the government to, to uh, allocate a certain percentage of their, of their energy um, to renewable sources. So when you are looking for projects... What are, obviously the return's important, but you just said you've got yourself in a range. So then what do you look for? Is it the kind of project? Is it the location? Is it the people running it? Because you're going to put some real money to work for people who are going to count on those returns. It's a big responsibility. How do you make that selection? The partner that you're going to be working with, the equity sponsor is important, um, and who their partners are in terms of who's the builder and who's the operator. Um, those, those are important. The Canadian market has matured, so that, and it's a fairly small market, so you know them, and they're all fairly um, competent. Um, uh, really, you know, what we look for over and over, and we say this to the authorities that are bringing the projects forward and the, and the sponsors that are, that are developing them, is structure. So where real estate is location, location, location. For us, project finance is structure, structure, structure. So in order to, um, you know, to achieve the, let's say, the rating, the underlying credit rating, and therefore the pricing that they want from us, uh, structure of the deal. It has to be properly structured. It has to be attractive to us. They need to know what structural elements are key and what ones can we concede on or are not as important to us. And and that's really just a communication, um, just developing relationship over time. They get to know what it is that we look for and we know what is they're going to offer and where the pinch points are going to be and then uh, really trying to make sure it's structured properly. Can you offer up a, a specific example of a project that you recently have been involved with and how that worked out and then maybe that can be used to illustrate some of the concerns that you have for projects in the future? Uh, so last year um, in 2015, there were a number of what are called mega projects done. One of them was the, the Champlain Bridge in Montreal. Uh, it's a massive a multi-billion dollar project. Um, the long-term financing piece was a very large piece, and we took a, a, a fairly significant investment in it. And, you know, it was a, it's a complicated project. It's a bridge over a river, um, so you had to understand those risks of building in a river. Uh, it was tying into existing um, highway systems. There was an existing bridge that was being replaced. It was going to involve tolling. Uh, those were some of the risks that you had to get your head around to, um, um, to sort of understand whether or not this was an investment you wanted to pursue. It was structured in a way that um, provided us with the comfort that we needed to make sure that in any sort of downside scenario, we were still, as lenders, going to be protected. And, and um, that was a project that really worked out well, I think, for all, all involved. Well, it seems the fact that, you're, that you have a, a government committed to, to fiscal stimulus spending <laughs> is a huge plus for anybody looking for projects there. Uh, you know, 
many countries around the world say they that that's what's needed because the central banks don't have a lot more ammo. But it certainly in the United States, we've had a tough time at the federal level getting too much of that off the ground. You know, Canada's been, um, I think, a leader recently uh, at the senior levels of government in terms of providing that sort of funding for these projects. And, you know, if anything, it doesn't. we don't feel that it crowds us as lenders out. In fact, it does the opposite, we believe. Um, it allows projects to move forward that maybe wouldn't otherwise go forward because a number of the junior levels of government, whether it's municipalities, uh, they have limited abilities to raise re- to raise revenues through taxation. And so without a contribution from the senior levels of government, these projects, like light rail projects, may not move forward. And uh, so for, you know, from our perspective, uh, uh, you know, the, the stimulus spending actually increases the pipeline of opportunities that we will see. Does it also increase the interest level of foreign investors in infrastructure projects in Canada? I, I think what inc- so there is a great deal of foreign uh, interest in our transactions. I think what is uh, attractive to them is a good pipeline, so that helps with the pipeline, but also the fact that uh, we have a good history of doing deals and a good history of closing deals. Not deals don't just get announced, but they get closed. There's less political interference. Um, you don't run the risk of a project starting and then stopping. Uh, Canada's got a very good history of, of um, actually closing and delivering on their projects. Is it? Does it help that? I mean, that the the Canadians are um, centered along the border with the U.S. In other words, more more tightly living together in some sense. Well, it's a huge country and it's a smaller population. It seems like there's a lot of support for this kind of thing in Canada that maybe isn't always here in the U.S. Yeah, I think so. I think. Uh, you know, because of the way, our, as you described, our population is, you require a significant amount of infrastructure between those locations and to get people and goods between locations from locations, uh, you know, trade. Uh, so I, I think our governments recognize that, that, that maybe we're at a disadvantage relative to the U.S., which has so much more dense uh, density in certain, certain areas. And, and so, um, you know, I think... That over is the overriding, uh, one of the overriding uh, issues with, with why it's been such a positive uh, spending in Canada. I want to thank you very much uh, for spending time with us and enlightening us about infrastructure investment in Canada. Bruce Anderson, Managing Director, Project Finance and Infrastructure for Manulife, doing business in the United States under uh, with uh, John Hancock as the brand. This is Taking Stock. We take you to the close. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.